Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation, and as always, it's great to be with you. So we will start our conversation, as always, by turning to Mary. Mary has many beautiful titles. Mary is known as the Mother of God, which is her greatest title. Mary is also the mother of the church. And Mary is also the mother of each and every one of us. In the Hail Holy Queen, we call out to Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Please turn to Mary and ask her to pray with us and to be with us. As we say, the prayer that Mary loves most. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, <clears throat> pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's turn to our spiritual director. Our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. He also has many descriptive titles, among which would be, he's the paraclete. The Catechism of the Catholic Church highlights the fact that he is the gift of gifts. The Holy Spirit is also known as, in the sequence that we pray for Pentecost, the sweet guest of our souls. 
He's also known, the Holy Spirit, as our counselor. Our counselor as well as our consoler. The Holy Spirit is also known as our friend, the deep friend of our soul. And St. Paul reminds us in these words of the presence of the Holy Spirit. He says that we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. That's right. So let's uh, invite the Holy Spirit to be with us, to give us a lot of light. And the interior fire of love to burn within our hearts, as we say. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. John of the Cross, pray for us. St. Maria, Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Good morning to all of you, and as is our custom, we like after praying together, we always start our persevering family by praying together to Mary and to the Holy Spirit. I try to encourage all of us by offering prayers. So I will pray for you today. In the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Actually, I have two Masses today. What a great privilege to be able to have two Masses in one day. Praise the Lord. So in this greatest of all prayers, which is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the greatest of all prayers, we would like to place you on the altar and offer specific intentions. My first intention will be I'd like to pray for 
all of you that you would really live out this holy season of Lent. We're already about 20 days into the season of Lent, so we're heading toward the midpoint. And I pray that all of you would pursue a life of holiness. Lent is a time of conversion, which means it's a time in which we should be pursuing a life of holiness. That will come about by renouncing sin and by growing in our prayer life. So that will be my first intention that we'll all have a very fruitful Lent. Second attention. I'd like to pray for your families. Over the weekend, I gave her a couple of retreats, one on Saturday in St. Peter, St. Paul, to a group called Jamas de Amor, Flames of Love. And one of the basic charisms of this relatively new group is to fortify family bonds the importance of a good catechesis. How on earth can we love God if we don't really know God through a good catechesis? So I'd like to pray for your families, your children, your teenagers, that, that they would have a hunger for the truth. Because as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the greatest of all teachers, says, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. My third intention will be, I'd like to pray in a special way for the world condition And the critical situation in the Ukraine that God would intervene so as to resolve this problem. So that innocent lives would be spared. There would be a ceasefire to this very sad situation. I'd like to just also in our prayer intention be aware of the fact that the Holy Father this coming Friday, which is March 25th, which happens to be the solemnity of the Annunciation, or if you like, of the Incarnation, which you call to mind when Mary said yes to God. She gave her fiat. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That day, the Holy Father will be consecrating both Russia and the Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. What a beautiful gesture. 
we that very day in the evening at 7.30 will be celebrating, we'll have a con-celebrated Mass in which we'll be praying that this consecration of the Ukraine as well as Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary will have a very, very positive fruits. Lady Fatima said, in the end her Immaculate Heart will triumph. Those words are very consoling. In the end, her Immaculate Heart will triumph. So in our prayer life, let's fortify our prayer life this week and make sure that we pray fervently our Holy Rosary. In the words of Patrick Payton, the family that prays together stays together. And a world at prayer is a world at peace. So, my friends, let's enter into our readings for the day. As always, the readings are very, very rich. Very, very rich, the readings. Thanks be to God. So, the first reading we'll have today is taken from the second book of Kings. The second book of Kings. The responsorial psalm will be Psalm 42-43. The thirst of my soul for the living God, when shall I go and behold the face of God. The gospel reading will be taken taken from St. Luke, chapter 4, in which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, after preaching in various synagogues, casting out devils and healing numerous people, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes back to his hometown in Nazareth. And on the Sabbath, he gets up and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and then he preaches to his the people of the town where he was brought up and raised. The people at first were impressed by his words and then they were they became furious because of the message that he directed at them, such that they led him to the brow of a hill with the intention of of pushing him off the brow of the hill to basically kill him. But Jesus walked right through their midst. We'll try to maybe study why that happened. But I was able to glean from, especially the first reading, an essential, I think, very important message for all of us. 
So, when you're doing your biblical meditation, I've suggested to you many times that you can utilize a Bible method or methodology. The method is not the mean, is not the end, but the means. It's a tool to help us to enter into dialogue with God. And I've suggested five steps to read, lexio, read attentively, recognize that God speaks to you through the Word of God and through yours truly, and try to memorize. Try to memorize the basic content of what you read. And try to derive what is the basic meaning of this passage. Then, what does it mean for me? How is God speaking to me? in this passage. And the last step would be personal application. Because not only do we not only do we want to read the word of God, but we want to humbly submit ourselves to what God is saying to us and with docility and obedience put it into practice. So I see a a very clear message from the first reading today, which I'd like to summarize the reading and then give you a, a message that we should try to put into practice. Okay, this is the context. First reading is, is taken from the second book of Kings. Verse, chapter 5, verse 1 to 15. So here we have the overall picture. You have a general of an army, the army of Syria. So it's uh, it's not a, a he's not a Jewish Israelite commander in chief. He's the head of the Syrian army and he's a very very good general. His name is Naaman, Naaman the Syrian. A very, very capable military officer. Respected by the king and respected by his people because of his capacity. So even though he was a very valiant military leader, He was a leper. He was a leper with his skin disease, which obviously caused him a lot of suffering. 
we're talking many years ago, there was no real medical cure for this disease. You had to live with it, and often it would have led to death. So there was partial leprosy and total leprosy. Total leprosy meant that the person basically rotted and eventually would die. Partial would be that the leprosy would maybe eat away at the extremities in his body. His fingers, his nose, his toes, his ears, his tongue, his vocal cords, leaving him somewhat mangled. So, Naaman was able to function and as a very capable general of the army. Naaman was married and he and his wife had acquired a little Jewish girl who became the servant to Naaman and his wife and became like a little daughter to Naaman and his wife. This little Jewish girl was very compassionate and suffered because she saw how her master suffered due to his leprosy. So upon her insistence, she talks to the wife of Naaman and says, the Naaman should go to Israel and seek out the prophet. Back then it was the prophet Elisha who replaced Elijah. And ask Elisha to intercede before God to heal Naaman of his leprosy. So Naaman asks the king, and the king gives him permission. Not only that, but the king highly respected, gave him gold and silver and festal garments to give to the king for the price of his healing of leprosy. So when he arrives at the doorpost of the king, the king right away misinterprets the intention of Naaman. thinking that maybe Naaman is just seeking to have a quarrel with the king so that they would enter into battle and have a fight. So the Israelites would have to fight the Syrians in a battle. But that was not the intention of Naaman at all. He simply wanted to be healed. So Elisha has to go to the king and say, look, send him to me. So the king accepts the advice of Elisha, the prophet, and sends Naaman, the leper, the Syrian, to the prophet Elisha.
Alicia Pond, seeing the leper Naaman, does something that totally surprises Naaman. Naaman had already formed some preconceived ideas on the way in which Elisha would heal him. He already had concocted some idea it's going to be done this way. But Elisha says, just go down to the river and wash and bathe seven times and your flesh will be healed. Naaman hears this and he leaves very angry. Because he's hearing not what he was expecting to hear. He was expecting Elisha to pray over him and then maybe touch the wounds and then invoke God and then the healing would come about in that matter, in that manner. But that was not the plan of God nor the the way that Elisha decided him to be healed. Just go down to the river, bathe seven times, and you'll be healed. And he goes on to say, why I could have gone to bathe in the rivers of Syria. They're just as good as the river, as the river Jordan. So he gets back and he wants to head home angry at what the prophet Elisha had suggested. Now, there's a lot of dynamics in this biblical passage, a lot to meditate upon. Naaman had traveled with some of his companions. They see he's, he's perturbed, very angry at the way that Elisha is proceeding. And determined just to go back home with the leprosy. But his companions intervene and say, look, he's not asking you really too much. Fear to have asked you to do some something much more demanding, you would have you would have carried that out. He simply asked you to go down to the Jordan River <coughs> to descend into the waters, to bathe seven times, and you're going to be healed. It's no big deal. So Naaman, in humility, in docility, he he submits to the advice of his companions. So he goes down to the Jordan River. He descends into the Jordan River, where our Lord, by the way, would be baptized by John the Baptist. And he bathes there seven times, obeying the prescriptions that Elisha had pointed out to him. And as a result of that, 
As a result of that, he's totally cleansed of his leprosy. His flesh becomes like that of a little child. And as a result, he's going to go to the house of Elisha and give huge sums of money in gratitude to Elisha for having healed him. And Elisha will not even take this uh, this gift that Naaman will give to him. All right. There are many lessons that we can glean from this. But from the book Conversation with God that I listen to almost every morning on Relevant Radio, taken from the seven-volume series Conversation from God, the essential message that they gleaned from this, which I like and I'd like to comment upon, is Naaman submits to the direction of others. He doesn't rely only upon his own judgment and opinion. He accepts the advice of his wife, of the little girl, of the king, and then of his companions, and then Elisha. We see that he's following different paths of advice. In conversation with God points out the real importance, my friends, of spiritual direction. From my studio, I was able to bring to you a statue of the patron of spiritual directors. Now, this is St. John of the Cross. We'll bring him to be with us. So we have St. John of the Cross with us in our conversation. St. John of the Cross is the patron of spiritual directors. He was instrumental in directing St. Teresa of Avila in her spiritual life. helping Teresa of Avila to grow in her prayer life and also to encourage her to carry out the reform of the Carmelite order. Without this adequate spiritual direction, Teresa of Avila would have probably never carried out the reform of the Carmelite order. She reformed the women's branch and John of the Cross, the male branch of the Comlite Order back in the 1500s. So we see Naaman, who was humble enough to submit to spiritual direction. My friends, if you 
honestly want to grow in your spiritual life. Sooner or later, you have to pursue some type of spiritual direction. That's right. I repeat, if you honestly want to grow in your spiritual life, you have to pursue some type of periodical spiritual direction. And we see this in the lives of many saints. St. John the Cross says, He who has himself as spiritual director has an idiot as a follower. John the Cross used a little bit of sarcasm there, but what John the Cross is basically highlighting is that we cannot direct ourselves. We are a, a mystery or an enigma unto ourselves. We cannot, <coughs> excuse me, we cannot direct ourselves properly. There are three visions of ourselves. The way people see us, the way God sees us, and the way we see ourselves. And very often we do not see ourselves objectively. Therefore, the intervention of a third party, a spiritual director, can help us to see who we are, who God is in our lives, and how we can progress in our spiritual life. And I was able, in my preparation for our talk this morning, be able to um, highlight some of the biblical examples on how spiritual direction was so important for these individuals to encounter God. Spiritual director has as one of his primary purposes to help us to encounter God. how we can grow in our prayer life. How we can listen to the Word of God. How we can grow in docility to the, to the Word of God. How we can carry out the Word of God. How we can progress in our spiritual journey. In a, in a word, how we can actually grow in holiness. One of the key passages in the Old Testament would be the example of the young, the young Samuel in the temple. If you remember, if you remember, my friends, If you remember, my friends, young Samuel, who was born of Hannah, was presented in the temple when he was very young. Hannah offered her child in the temple as a gift because God gave her that gift, even though she could not have chosen for many years. So young Samuel is in the temple 
of Shiloh. This was before the Temple of Jerusalem was built. And he has his he has his living arrangements. Then next to him is a man whose name is Eli. Eli is the priest, the 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 Jewish priest. Certain sense you might say his his, his spiritual director, his spiritual father. That's right. So what happens? God is forming young Samuel to become the great prophet who would be directing the king Saul and indirectly David. So there at night, Samuel hears a voice that is speaking to him. So he gets up and goes to Eli and says, Did you call me? He said, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. So once again, the young Samuel hears the voice. And once again, he feels that this he, he, he's decided that this must be the voice of Eli. He goes to Eli again. Did you call me? No, he didn't. Go back to bed. Happens a third time. And this time, when he gets up and he goes to Eli, he recognizes, Eli, the high priest, recognizes that God has been spoke, has been speaking to Samuel. That's right. God has been speaking to Samuel. So Eli says, next time, next time you'll hear that voice, I want you to respond with these words. I want you to say, Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, my friends, that biblical passage of young Samuel in the temple with Eli beside him, listening to Samuel, interpreting the experience of Samuel, and telling Samuel the next time, when you hear the voice, speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening, is a classical example of the importance of the indispensable quality of spiritual direction. In other words, young Samuel would have never been able to interpret the fact that God was speaking to him The fact that God was speaking to him, if it were not through the mediation of the human channel, which was Eli the high priest. 
Speak, O Lord, for your your servant is listening. We all must have some type of human channel to be a bridge for us to connect with God. Pope Benedict XVI, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, when he came to Dunwoody Seminary in New York, he said this, In our modern society, it's more difficult for young people to hear and heed the word of God because young people, old people too, are bombarded by so many different noises. Bombarded by so many different noises. St. Pope Paul VI says the cacophony of strident protest is characteristic of our modern times. We're bombarded by so many different noises. We've got so many different noises, different voices. How can we know that this voice is coming from God? For that reason, the importance of having a human channel we call the spiritual director to help us. To help us. So we have St. John the Cross as well as St. Ignatius of Loyola is very strong also. Very strong also on and the importance of having a spiritual director. Very important. Because St. Ignatius will point out it's not always easy to be able to discern between the various spirits that are working within us. He points out that we've got the good spirit, we've got the bad spirit, we've got the human spirit. So much so that St. Ignatius of Loyola in the rules for discernment there's the scheme for the first week then there's the scheme for the second week. St. Ignatius points out that the devil can present himself as an angel of light. And I find it also sometimes very difficult to discern what to do between between good, better, and best. It's not always easy. You might have three options, good, better, and best, but you want to choose the best. The example might be you have you have a teenage daughter that's discerning going to college 
And she's been accepted to Christendom, Steubenville, and Ave Maria. There are three good Catholic colleges. Three very good Catholic colleges. Now, the, the three good, which one would be the best for your daughter to, to choose? It might be good for you to consult a spiritual director to help you to make the right decision for your daughter. Because after the vocation that we choose, be it the married life or religious life or the priesthood or maybe the single life or consecrated life, after a vocational calling and choosing, the most important decision in our life is probably where we go after high school. The college or university that we choose and what is going to be, what are we going to choose for the rest of our lives, the work that we're going to be carrying out. Very important. So St. Ignatius says that the devil can even present himself as an angel of light. Without proper spiritual direction, we can easily be deceived. Yes, St. Paul goes on to point out that the, the devil can present himself as an angel of light to deceive us. Jesus says that the devil is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. So proper spiritual direction is is useful in helping us to make important choices, but also to help us to grow in our prayer life. Proper decisions, but also to advance in our prayer life. to advance in our prayer life. I'd like to tell you a story how easily we can be deceived. Even the best of us. One of the priests, saints that I admire most is the Curie of Ars. His name is Saint John, John Maria Vianney. And this is a this is an anecdote I'd, I'd like to tell you to highlight the importance of spiritual direction and how easy we can be misled, even the best of us. After the cure of ours, had been working in the parish there for many years. Spending 13 to 8, 13 to 17, 18 hours a day hearing confessions for 35 plus years. Probably close to 40 years. He had the thought 
that he really had to get away and spend the rest of his life in a monastery. where he could weep for his many sins, which really were very few. And to offer a penance for his many sins. So he got up and tried to leave the parish. And it happened three times. Then it dawned upon him that that thought of getting up and leaving the parish so that he could pray and offer up reparation for his many sins, that that was not from the good spirit. It was actually the evil spirit that was trying to persuade him to leave the parish so that many souls would not be saved through his presence in the confessional. Remember, my friends, remember, friends, that the devil can present himself as an angel of light. And one of the images taken from the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament as to one of the purposes of spiritual direction is for the director to connect the directee to the Holy Spirit. I like to say if I'm directing anyone, it's not so much I'm directing, but we want the Holy Spirit to be with you in your spiritual direction encounter so that the Holy Spirit can work on the directee. Once I was talking with my spiritual director, and I asked him, I said, what can I do to grow in my spiritual life? How, I can, how, how can I become holy? How, how can I become a saint? And this was Father Donald Lavelle, a Claritian priest that I had a, as a director when I arrived here. He passed away about three years ago. He was about 98. Father Lavelle said in Latin, then translated in English, he said, if you want to become holy, get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. And what he's really saying is don't block the working of the Holy Spirit. Do not block the action, the operation, the workings of the Holy Spirit in your life. So the image taken from the prophet Jeremiah as to the working of the spiritual director trying to connect the directee to the Holy Spirit. 
is a beautiful image of the potter with the clay. May remember the potter had a lump of clay and he was forming the clay into a work of art, into a bowl or a dish or something useful. And he kept working on it and chipping away and discarding and adding so that the finished pro product was to be put in the oven and it was to be useful. So my friends, in spiritual direction, God is the potter, but he uses the spiritual director as the potter. That's right. God is the potter. The spiritual director is the instrument that God uses. The clay would be us. We're called to be the play in the hands of the potter. The potter has to chip away, discard, add to. In a certain sense, that can be painful at times. To be, in a certain sense, discarding, or if you like the image of the vine and the branches to be cutting off the dead wood or the clay that is excessive or defective. And the clay should be turned into a artistic masterpiece. If you like another image, Saint John Bosco. He met up with a little boy, teenager. And his name was Domenico Savio. In English, Dominic Savio. Dominic Savio asked John Bosco if he could be his spiritual director. That's right. He asked him to be a spiritual director. John Bosco agreed. And Dominic Savio said this. What a beautiful image. Dominic Savio said, I am the cloth. You are the tailor. And Dominic Savio said, make me into a saint. What a beautiful image. I am the cloth and you are the tailor. Make me into a saint. It's the same idea of the clay and the potter. The potter is called to turn that piece of clay 
into a beautiful bowl or dish or ornament, whatever it might be. I would suggest that all of you in time get this book. Okay, I would suggest all of you, if you want to grow in spiritual direction and understand spiritual direction, get this book. And the name of this book is Seeking Spiritual Direction, How to Grow the Divine Life Within by Father Thomas Dubay, Society of Mary. Seeking spiritual direction, how to grow the divine life within. Thomas Dubay. This book I've had for many years and is very good in understanding spiritual direction. Very good. Very good. We actually had Father Thomas Dubay died a few years ago. We actually had the privilege of hosting Father Thomas Dubay to give a conference to our parish many years ago. And he spent the night with us. Now I had the privilege of having spiritual direction with Father Thomas Dubay once. He with Father Benedict Rochelle were probably among the most well-known Catholic priests in the United States last century. Very holy, very learned, very good Catholic priests. And Thomas Dubay was a real expert in Teresa of Avila, the spiritual life in general, a great writer. Great writer. But this book, if you're interested in the topic that I've been explaining you to you today, insist that all of us have proper spiritual direction. Seeking spiritual direction, how to grow the divine life, Thomas Dubay is a very good book. So my friends, I hope that this conversation has been helpful to you. Now he's taking as a platform Naaman, his docility to receiving direction from others. As a starting point on our conversation on the importance of spiritual direction. And here we have St. John of the Cross as he's the patron of spiritual directors. May he help us. Now I'd like to give you, my friends, my priestly blessing. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Lord, how good.